Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Ilman. You can see his photos at ProStarPix.com or read his latest F1 blog at KimIlman.com. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix that just went by over the weekend and how was it Kim? The weather was perfect for it, you couldn't have got a better day, it was a little bit windy but uh, clear skies, good crowd. The race was interesting, not as dramatic as what I perhaps might have hoped, but uh, still plenty went on. Qualifying was amazing, of course, with that added twist of Charles Leclerc coming off it mm. uh, up near the uh, beautiful ancient wall. So, uh, yeah, a, a really amazing weekend. And I've got to say, when people ask me now, what's your favourite race? Normally, I just come straight back and say Monaco. I might question that now because this is right up there. Well, it did look like you had a great time. I think on the Wednesday or Thursday, you were roaming around capturing some cool moments like the, uh, you might have a better pronunciation than this than I do, the Matroshka dolls? Yeah, well, I, I thought they were babushka, mm. um, but somebody checked me up on that and pulled me up on that. Uh, yeah, there was this woman down in the pits who's a mad Lewis fan, and she'd hand-painted these beautiful dolls, you know, and they stack inside themselves. And she was wandering around with this rather interesting piece of uh, headwear on that got my attention. Then she showed us her beautiful doll that she'd painted. And I said, any more inside? Yes, yes, there's five of them. So we actually got her to unveil them all and put them on a table outside Mercedes Benz. And there are about seven or eight photographers. And we all had a crack at photographing them and she'd um, pose with them. And you can see them on, on the blog, but beautiful pieces of mm. um, art. And in the end, uh, she had a little bit of time with Lewis. And Lewis would have been... Uh, highly impressed because every one of those uh, dolls down to the smallest one which is as you can imagine quite finicky work has different scenes that lewis is famous for him he's got his dog he's got him in a, a race suit half his body in a race suit half in a, a dress suit and um, all these different scenes that lewis uh, would have been very impressed to see well while we're talking about fans i believe there was also a, a mad vettel fan carly from yorkshire do you want to tell us about that I found her on the overpass waiting for drivers to come in and she was an interesting looking young lady but very well dressed and uh, excitable and she bailed him up one morning and I, I thought oh, well, I'll leave her there, I'll go down the bottom and take some shots of him coming down the stairs. It took a long time for him to go from where she was to where the, where I was and the next day, actually later in the afternoon I happened to see somewhere on Instagram that he'd signed her wrist. So the next day I went and had a chat with her and took photos of her wrist, which was still visible. You could see her signature. She's actually had a tattoo on her arm. And what did it say? Um, Never stop believing. I think that's what it said. And it had four stars. Each um, star represents one of his world championships. Room in the middle for another star. Well, she goes to a couple of races a year, does it well, goes to the paddock. She has a friend who's also a Mad Lewis fan. And the pair of them um, ended up getting both of their drivers' attention. They gave them beautiful gifts. I think one of them gave, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Lewis who received this beautiful Louis Vuitton gift. Mm. And in the end, Angela came back and said to her, look, Lewis has got something for you. And she was talking to me about how excited she was to see what gift Lewis had got for her. But I never actually got to see her after that to find out what it was. But yeah, it's it, when you meet these fans, they are just absolutely focused and well excited on, on meeting their heroes. Well, you mentioned Angela as well, and I believe you had a bit of a good time with her. There was a photo of her on a scooter. Yeah, lovely moment. Uh, it was very cold. End of the day, it was Saturday. Qualifying had taken place. The drivers had gone to the press conference upstairs at the Hilton Hotel. And uh, I was editing photos and realised that in, in a few minutes they'd be coming down. So I went downstairs and waited and waited and waited. And they, 
they were still babbling on up there in the press conference and Angela came over with the scooter for Lewis to, to bring back and she was just waiting out the front there and she looked at me and she said, take a picture of me doing a jump. And so off she went, she uh, went away from me and then sprinted back towards me on the scooter and did a jump, funny photos. Then she did another one. And I thought, oh, I'll put that up on um, Instagram, see how that goes. Well, it was one of my best photos of the weekend mm. because uh, it's something out of the ordinary. And it's surprising the number of people that are fans of the likes of Angela Cullen, who's the trainer for Lewis, or Britta Roeski, who is the press officer for Sebastian Vettel. These people have good followings on their own by virtue of the fact that they work with these famous drivers. Yeah, it's not just the drivers themselves, it's the people surrounding them. Here, here, because they they have that access to the, these heroes that um, people would love to spend a day in their shoes, I have no doubt. Well, Hulkenberg also seemed to continue his tradition of uh, playing with your photos, this time pulling an interesting face. Were there any other uh, shenanigans from him? No, he, he, he has a joke with me as he comes in, and uh, I actually... I think that was on Thursday where we actually jogged, jogged the track and I was just walking out and for initially I thought is that him because he wasn't in any corporate logos he was just in shorts and a, a long sleeve top so I took his photo first up and then I realized it was him and then he looked at me and did his funny face which is a great pick and I think you'll mm. find that'll appear on his page in the next week or so and um, we chatted later on about that and uh, hey, just just a tremendous fella. But then on the other side of the coin, um, on race day, I caught him very serious out on the track and just peering off into the distance and quite focused. And they were the two sides of him. You see race day, no mucking around. And then you see Thursday, let's have a joke. Yeah. Well, speaking of your photos, there were some very cool up high shots on Instagram. And on Instagram, we could see like a behind the scenes of that where there was this very precarious looking castle. What's it like shooting from there? Okay, now I've always called it a castle. Last night, I I was talking with some people and it was explained to me that's not a castle. And I actually had lunch over there yesterday and realized that is a wall that originally ran around what was the old ancient city it was built in the 16th century mm. it still stands there today and it is i think one of the most marvelous backdrops of, of any grand prix uh, that we have and really if they ever took that section of the track out it would absolutely kill this race mm. but uh, i ended up going up for fp2 to the top of the cinema and we're allowed to shoot from the top of this cinema but there is no guardrail and it is quite high i think it's three or four stories high and really quite scary when you're up there you, you certainly don't go near the edge you stand right back and uh, everyone moves about very slowly because there's probably half a dozen photographers up there but it gives you this beautiful view looking down and at the right time of day and it's only for probably about 30 minutes if the sun's out you get this lovely golden light it streams down and causes lovely shadows on the road mm. i took a beautiful picture of um, pierre gasly's car in fact, I took them all, but I noticed Pierre ran that picture on his page. And it, you see this long shadow of the car behind it. And I'd urge anyone to go and have a look because it's it's something that I didn't realize you got. I, I, I think I shot from there last year, but it was gray, overcast and no savage shadows. But really quite a beautiful picture. I had the option of going actually on top of the, um, the wall as well, but I chose not to do that because you can really only do one shot in a session because of the security arrangements to go into one side, get out and come back into the other side is time consuming and you get to miss quite a bit of um, photography because you're doing this walking essentially through the city. 
Well, that's good because the photo you got on the um, with the sun coming through is very striking, very beautiful. You know, I've often wanted that shot, and I've seen some uh, exceptional F1 photographers get those arty shots. And I think you just have to be in the right spot at the right time, and then be able to dial into your camera the shot that you want, because you you can you can do a whole lot of different shots with your camera based on the settings you use, and you have to have a reasonable idea of what outcome you want in order to um, to get that shot. Now, there was also a, a very striking uh, picture of three people in very interesting suits. What can you tell us about this? Well, three blokes go to a race each year together. They've done this for 22 years, never missed a beat. When they were walking into the paddock and it was early on race day, uh, I did happen to notice their T-shirt and it had a different race and a different year. So I figured that must be their shtick. They were wearing these Union Jack suits, quite loud, uh, mm. big blokes, uh, made quite a statement. So they walked past me and I thought, oh, I'll see them. I'm sure they're back at, in the paddock here all day. And I, sure enough, I saw them again. So I, I had a quick chat with them. I said, look, just hold on. I'm going to get up here and you can come towards me. And they did. They walked up towards me and all looked at the cameras. Nice shot. And then I chatted with them for a little bit and got their story, got their names. And uh, a little bit later on, I did see them talking to Bernie Eccleston. And there's another picture, which I haven't yet posted on Instagram, but it's on kimelman.com for the day's gallery on Sunday, where I put the camera up quite high and shoot over both of the guy's shoulders, looking at Bernie's face. And it's a funny photo because Bernie looks like a little schoolboy. Now, he's not a tall man, but uh, you put the camera up high and took, put two very big blokes in the foreground, and he looks like a, looks like a little midget. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. Well, let's talk about the race now itself, or the driving, I should say. Uh, during FP1, George Russell was hit by a loose manhole cover and FPM1 was actually cancelled. Do you know any more about this? I know probably much as anyone who watched television, but I was uh, lucky enough to have my BBC Live broadcast uh, in my ear. It was working because it didn't work on race day, unfortunately, for any more than a couple of minutes. And I was up at turn three. No, it wasn't. It was turn four. And I couldn't see turn three. And I did notice that for a few moments, cars stopped coming past. And then I must have glanced right, seen the red flag, which indicates the session has been stopped. And um, I actually hadn't got the earpiece in then, so I whacked them in and had a listen and uh, they said, yeah, it's uh, turn three. I said, turn three? Oh, that's just around the corner. So I raced back with um, a long lens and uh, sure enough, I can see his car down at turn three stranded and they're waving yellow and red flags. I think what happened earlier in the session was that Charles Leclerc drove over that uh, manhole cover, loosened it a bit. Mm. George Russell's come straight over the top of it with the middle of his car and it's cleaned up the bottom of his vehicle and caused all sorts of damage. So he's had to pull over the next corner. So I, I get that, those shots of the car being loaded onto the flatbed truck. Yes. And they use a big crane that's on the back of the truck. Well, when that car, that, that truck is driven back to pits, the crane is up a little bit higher than normal because they've got a car on there and it's cleaned up one of the footbridges. So they have to check uh, structurally whether that footbridge was okay. Um, oil from the crane has then leaked onto the Williams car. Mm. So, a, you know, a team like Williams, which is already struggling with both, both results and financially, has suddenly got this huge drama of having to sort that car out. And as you realise, they're not cheap. So it was uh, all the talk and then the session was stopped. 
the late the session that FP2, which was scheduled to go at 5 p.m., there was talk that that might be cancelled while they checked all the uh, manhole covers around the track, but it ended up going ahead at that uh, prescribed time. So it wasn't the worst result, but poor poor Williams, they can't take a trick at the moment. No. Well, luckily there was no more uh, real safety issues, it seems, but the track was brutal nonetheless, especially for Leclerc, who crashed into the barrier on turn eight in Q2. What was his reaction like? I thought he was very harsh on himself. I am stupid. I am stupid. He kept saying, um, yeah, it's a mistake. Uh, I think that probably comes with a lot of pressure on him and uh, he would feel that he's got the whole world watching. And certainly he did have because the world is just waiting for him to win a race and it will come. Uh, He uh, ended up getting back to the paddock and I wasn't there for when he returned and he would have returned uh, into the garage first. I probably wouldn't have seen him out in the paddock, but uh, it was a pretty sad day for mm. him and his team, but he did all right. He finished fifth. Uh, he was leading for a fair while there, but pit stops and a few other things caused him to end up back at fifth. But um, he started from ninth. Oh, no, he didn't start from eighth, went back to tenth. So, uh, yeah, he he performed admirably, but it's got to be Ferrari's turn surely coming up. Yeah, well, they did start out strong uh, this race. Well, they looked like they, they were going to kill him on Friday. They were over a second up and it just keeps happening where they are strong Friday, hopeless on, well, not hopeless, but not as good as Mercedes on Sunday. Yeah, well, no one's uh, as good as Mercedes at the moment. No. Nope. Now, Daniel Ricciardo had a crash himself during the race. Oh, a small, a small crash, but one nonetheless, reversing into Daniil Kvyat. Did you see him around after he dropped out and how did he seem? He was good in the paddock and I saw him being interviewed in the media pen, but while I was out on track, you notice the cars come around, then you notice they don't come around. Mm. You think, oh, what's going on there? And as I mentioned before, I didn't have any earpiece in, and I had no television I could see, so I was clueless as to what was going on. And I walked back down the paddock, saw Michael, his trainer, coming down the stairs, and I said, oh, Michael, what happened to Daniel? And he told me about uh, him backing into Daniel Kvyat. So as Daniel was being interviewed, Daniel Kvyat walked in, and he started being interviewed about five metres away. And knowing what I knew, and had I not known this, I wouldn't have expected there to be any interaction. So Daniel went over to another TV interview, and as he did, he walked past Daniel. So he stopped, had a chat with him, shook his hand, put his hand on his shoulder and apologised. And I was lucky to get those photos. Now, I don't think there were any other photographers around because it was still probably eight laps to go until the end of the race. So I managed to get that all to myself, which is always lovely. And... um, even better, I got it up onto social media before the end of the race, which is no mean feat because there's a whole lot of dicking around that has to be done with my phone, uh, uploading the photo via the internet, mm. writing text. So uh, I was pretty proud of myself when I managed to get up. And that was probably, well, I think it was second best photo of the whole weekend. Do you think there was any real uh, animosity from Kvyat to Daniel? No, 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 they were... They were really lovely, and I, I saw the um, TV interview too because Kvyat was actually on air live. I think it was live with Daniel um, talking about that. So now I think it's just a racing incident, uh, incident, and it's just hard luck that he couldn't see him behind him. Uh, let's talk about the mechanics for a moment, and I believe they have a curfew. They do. It became clear to me the first race. I wasn't aware of this, but there's big signs out the front of the swipe gates at the entrance to the paddock that say mechanics curfew in place so uh, the deal is it's to stop um, 
the mechanics being made to work all night. They have to leave the track at a certain point and they can't come back into the track until three hours before the first session on Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. So what that does, in the paddock, uh, I'm talking about here at uh, Baku, there's an entrance at both ends. So uh, roughly half the teams come in one end, half come in the other end. And um, you get from where I was on an elevated platform, I could see that uh, at three hours before, these two lots of people would surge together from each end. And there's this lovely photo of just the whole paddock chock-a-block with people in different colored outfits. And it's not often you can get that shot from an elevated uh, area. As we wrap up, let's talk about your Instagram for a second because uh, it's a great place to get tips for your photos. And I think you always tend to get around to answering questions people have. But here's one from someone that I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on. They ask, do you shoot a wide open uh, on the 600? I've been trying to get the whole car in focus, but just wondering what your strategy was. I do actually answer them as many of those comments as I can. Sometimes I have to go back days and find there are people who are commenting. But um, it just depends. With the 600, it's a very long lens, quite heavy. I've only got one lens longer than that, and that's an 800, but I would never take that to F1. But sometimes I shoot at F4, which is the lowest F-stop there. Mm. Uh, it depends on how far the car is away, too, as to whether or not the whole car is in focus. If it's very close, shooting at F4, you'd have the back of the car out of focus and the front of the car, so you'd have to bump it up to, say, F8 if it's close. But certainly, uh, on a start, and I did shoot with my 600 at the start on the weekend, if you shot at F4 and the car is, I'm guessing, probably 200 metres away, you should be able to get the whole car sharp. Otherwise, if it's close, you just wind it out to F8, even more if you have to. And for those photographic people, they'll understand that. If you're not a photographer, that'll be just absolute Dutch to <laughs> Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Any final thoughts, Kim? Final thoughts. Yeah, Baku. If you can get to Baku, come. It's a really amazing place. It's old and new, but just be warned, the taxi drivers can be absolute maniacs. In 60 kilometre an hour zones, one was doing 130 the other night and uh, quite aggressive. But I did get to where I was going and I got there extremely quickly. Thank you very much for joining us, Kim. We're looking forward to the Spanish Grand Prix coming up next. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPix.com or KimIllman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIllman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.